Hey, it's Matt and Doug here with No Meat Athlete Radio, episode 53. Today we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, well, last time we tried talking about an old blog post, and we're still going to keep doing those. That was fun. But this time we're going to do some Q&A, and we've started featuring listener questions on the podcast. Uh, we'd love it when you call in and leave a message so we can get your voice on here. But in this case, we're doing a little bit of email inbox cleanout slash uh, text Q&A. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so... What we're going to do here, we have a lot of them. This is stuff that has, I have some stuff that goes back to August and September. I've been sort of delinquent in uh, answering all my email. But we're just going to go through it. We've we've got a bunch here. We're going to set a two-minute limit on each question. And uh, we're just going to run through these and see how it turns out. If, they're, if it turns out that it's good, then we'll keep doing these things in the future. And maybe this will become the way that we answer email questions. But we don't really know what to expect. So we're just going to set the timer and get started. But I will say that most of these questions uh, could be applied to just about anyone. So, yes. you know, th- some of them are, are specific, but, you know. Yeah, I should have. Okay. We're not, we wouldn't answer. I mean, some, look, we didn't filter these. So some of these might be just super specific things. And if they are, we're not going to spend long on those. But we wouldn't be doing this on a live episode if we didn't think that a lot of people, other than the the person who asked the question, would get stuff out of their answers. So. Right. Uh, of course, that is that is kind of in the back of our minds here. Yeah. So hopefully everyone listening will, will be able to attached to a lot of these questions and and uh, feel learn something from the answers. All right, here we go. So this one's from Deb. Uh, I forgot to set our timer here for two minutes. <laughs> All right, timer set. This is from Deb, and she says, Hey, Matt, enjoy your podcast and hearing about your running progress. Um, I feel amazing. Yogurt is the only thing I've not given up, so Deb just went plant-based. That's okay. Do you have a favorite veggie patty recipe that's your go-to? Hmm. hmm. All right, so we've got the uh, the... I forget the name of it. It's not the, the ultimate. Yeah, not the perfect smoothie formula, not the ultimate energy bar formula, but the, I think it's the world's most perfect veggie burger formula. I don't know. It's a formula in the style of the smoothie formula and energy bar formula uh, in that you can pull things out of the cupboard that you have and probably assemble a veggie patty with what you've already got in your pantry even without going to the store. That's the point of that formula. So we've got that one. Um, do you have the link there, Doug? For yeah, it? it's uh, veggie or nomadathlete.com slash veggie dash burger dash recipe. And it is, in fact, called the world's most versatile veggie burger recipe. <laughs> there it is. All right. I knew we had the world in there. Um, so actually, Heather Crosby, who made who wrote the book Yum Universe and writes the great blog yumuniverse.com, she actually, we mentioned this during my interview with Heather on the podcast. She uh, made her own version of that. And I think she made some adaptations, but she, you know, followed the formula basically and made this really good burger that turned out really really well and uh she she credited me in the book which was awesome and i didn't realize that until i was actually talking to her we'd eaten it the <laughs> night before and, and my wife did not point out that i was mentioned in the in the intro <laughs> she didn't notice either uh but anyway that that's now probably our go-to patty her variation of our world's most versatile veggie burger recipe what, uh, what so what's your favorite bean or to bean? Uh, I don't know. I think that's one based mostly on chickpeas, mm-hmm. and I like chickpeas a lot. They're yeah. very neutral flavored. They just, I don't know. To me, they go well, well in a lot of things. Yeah, I agree. I found the chickpea burger to be a little better, and it holds together a little better than a, like a black bean burger mm. or something like that. I hadn't, hadn't noticed a textural difference, but I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the next one. Barely got in under the gun there. 
<laughs> two minutes. Okay, this one is from Root Beer. He says, um, so th- these are back from a Reddit AMA I did, Ask Me Anything, and there were a few last-minute questions that came in, um, which obviously I was I was very eager to answer because it happened in August. <laughs> Uh, he said, my, my diet is limited for a while. I have to cut way back on fat, cholesterol, fiber, soy, gassy vegetables, dairy, sodium. I'm sick of plain rice and potatoes. I need more protein. Without soy and other beans or nuts, what can I do? I eat a little lean meat sometimes and Boca burgers. The fat is the main thing my digestion can't handle right now. Thanks. Okay, so uh, root beer, it sounds like you have, you've lost a lot of foods there. You don't have soy or other beans or nuts. As far as protein goes. So we are just focusing on protein right now. Uh, and fat, he can't handle. So, okay. Non or low-fat protein sources that aren't beans or nuts. Is quinoa? Yeah, I was going to say grains. So quinoa is a seed. He said no nuts, uh, which I don't know if that means no seeds either. But seeds mm. are a good one. You can, you can get other seeds. Sunflower seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds. Those things have protein powder in them. Right. You can grind them up. Uh, hemp seed is a good one. They make protein powders out of hemp seed. Yeah. So a protein powder like that might work fine. You can a lot of times get those without the fat in them where the like hemp protein the the fat's been pressed out in form of oil and then it's just you know dried stuff that they grind up. So that's that's one. I mean these, you know, these aren't great foods to eat all the time. I don't think it's just I mean you would just get tired of them. But mm-hmm. if you don't have all that other stuff and all you're eating right now is rice and potatoes, then maybe that would work. Uh, don't forget just regular grains. He didn't. He didn't say that you can't have grains. I don't think. No, I mean I guess cut back on fiber. But like whole wheat pasta, fifteen percent protein. That's that's a decent amount, and uh, I think that's a that's an okay source. Yeah, and and this also kind of goes back to, um, you know, maybe not needing the super high protein. Uh oh, <laughs> time's up. But you know, we've talked about your veg or your fruitarianism a lot, uh, yeah. and that had no nuts and seeds and everything. Right. So you, so. You may not need nearly as much protein as you think you need there. But what are Boca Burgers made out of? Aren't they? Boca Burgers are soy usually, I think. Maybe they have some non-soy ones, but... All right, next question. Okay, this one's from Doug. And he says, I recently discovered Huma Gels as a solution. And that's a company that that I know of. I think they're in Nashville. And they sent me some one time to try. And I did. And they were very good and natural ingredients. Uh, As he says, they have few and natural ingredients, which is attractive... Question, though, is nutrition. The calories, carbs, and protein are almost identical. I guess he means to another gel. The only difference is in electrolytes. My chia recipe, he's talking about my chia recipe, the one on, on nomadathlete.com, uh, I think, has 50 milligrams sodium, 60 milligrams potassium. Huma has 105 milligrams sodium and 30 milligrams potassium. Does that sound significant to you? Do you think using regular salt instead of low salt will change the consistency? Uh, okay, so no, I don't think that's a big deal at all. I mean, if... If my recipe had 50 milligrams of sodium and 60 milligrams of potassium in it, first of all, I don't know if he means my recipe like in the Chia book that we have or if he means the recipe that was a guest post. Uh, but but no, I don't think anyone who, who made that up really cared specifically about those numbers. I mean, total electrolytes, yes, you want to have some amount of electrolytes. And there are guidelines you can follow. I honestly don't remember the guidelines that I was kind of really paying a lot of attention to during 100-miler training, like how much sodium per liter of water uh but no that does not sound significant to me and if i were you i would just look up the guidelines like that uh how much sodium in in how much water are you trying to get even that there's a ton of disagreement on you're not going to find a consensus necessarily uh and then just whatever you're using make sure that it's it's matching those guidelines but i don't think 
that specific difference you're talking about is that that a big of a deal? I don't know, Doug. What do you think? As a yeah, as I mean that sounds that sounds accurate to me. So okay, nothing more to add there. All right, here we go. Next one is um, someone. Okay, so now we have customer service questions that we're doing on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in the marathon roadmap, but I'm not vegan, nor is it my goal to become one. My goal is to run a marathon. Does this mean that the product is not for me, or can I still make it work? How important is the diet aspect in relation to the program as a whole? Uh, I mean, there are so many different marathon programs you can get. If you go to the bookstore, you'll see tons of them. So I personally wouldn't probably buy the vegetarian vegan one if if you don't want to become that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd it, agree, but uh, but of course there are plenty of people who aren't full vegetarian or full vegans that are that are using the roadmap your roadmap yeah i mean if, if you want it for that if, if you want your diet to be sort of like the way that i eat and the way that i encourage people to eat then then yes you can get a ton out of this but if you have no interest whatsoever in i mean i honestly don't know why that person would be interested in this this thing i mean just go get one that uh, that is uh matches whatever you want to do yeah all right next one okay and i think we had a few like this um Okay, his name's uh, Mario. When I was talking about no meat athlete running groups, and we were talking a lot about those launching them, he said, what about a cycling group? You know, no meat athlete cycling. Uh, even though I'm the only vegan I know, the thing I would love to do is mountain bike, and this will help to get in touch with more vegan athletes around my areas. Um, I mean, we've had this question comes up a lot. People people always ask why the shirts don't have a cycling carrot. Why don't we make a carrot shirt that has all these different you know activities and and the answer is that there just aren't enough people that do those things like no meat athlete has largely been based on running articles that's kind of what i've written because that's what i know and that's how it is but we do do the triathlon jerseys the cycling jerseys so i mean by all means if you could if you thought there were enough people in your group to do a cycling group that'd be awesome in your area uh but I, I would doubt that it you'll find enough is my problem. I think if you're really willing to work at it and build it and start with one or two people and just keep working at it, I think you might be able to get more. But we didn't we didn't put any effort into starting cycling groups just because that's not really what we do yet. Well, what I would say, though, is to go to your running group, especially if you are a little bit of a runner, meet some people and talk to them about maybe going on rides too because I bet that there are some people there, there's some crossover there that you could reach out to. So you might not be a full on no meat athlete cycling team but um you know but you might be able to find people to ride with would be my guess all right next question from mel also about running groups you probably notice a little theme here that the questions bunch together in terms of topics because it's when people respond to whatever we've been talking about <laughs> this is from mel a uh, personal trainer in greenwich london and would love to start a no meat athlete running club there uh if we're interested actually i believe mel we do have a london no Meat Athlete Running Group. So if you go to uh, com slash groups, you will see there there is a London group. And uh, you probably wrote this email before that group had started, uh, but someone someone kind of came out of the woodwork and wanted to lead, so we said, go for it. I don't know if that's the same as Greenwich. I don't know how big London is. I don't know if Greenwich is kind of like a borough like New York has. But uh, anyway, that's where we are. So find that group and join it. Okay, um, this one's from Elaine, and she says... It looks like another another question similar to the cycling one. It's not not really a runner, but wants to know how to be included in vegan groups that for all athletes. So I mean, 
I, I just don't know. I mean, we, we have a big running audience, so we've been fairly successful in getting the running groups going. Even that's been hard. Like, some cities have taken, some haven't. So, you know, once you get into more niche sports, and certainly there are some sports that are as popular as running, but it just gets tougher. Like, if you're getting into serious vegan buildy, vegan bodybuilding meetups, I think you're going to find less vegan bodybuilders than vegan runners, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tricky. But... I'm, I'm by no means discouraging you from trying it. It's just that's not what we have. All right, this next one's from Tori, and I'm excited to ask you this one, Matt, because I think it's going to get a little personal. Um, she's talking about talking. her brother, is her carnivorous brother, um, is starting to eat more plants, and she asks, she has a question for Matt. Did having too much fiber before a race ever ruin it for you? <laughs> uh, no, I've got that question a lot, and I, I, I kind of feel bad because people – a lot of times come to me with that question and I can never really relate because I've I've been very lucky to not have any issues. I guess my stomach is good at handling stuff. Uh, I still get nervous around race day. I mean, I still have a lot of the same issues other people do, but I don't seem to have a big sensitivity to what I'm eating. So, uh, no, I mean, has not. I would say nowadays I'm learning more about really around race nutrition and I'm tending much more towards drinking fluids than eating a lot of stuff if it's an ultra marathon that's different it's you're out there longer and it's less less intense for a long period of time but for like a marathon or shorter i i think the focus should really be a lot based on nutrition and i learned this from mike arnstein or sorry based on liquid uh learned this from mike arnstein the fruitarian who just points out how much more quickly that moves through you there's much less fiber all these things. So, and also one thing, one warning, we do talk a lot about eating dates before runs or races or during runs and races, and they do have a lot of fiber in them. That fiber will accumulate over the course of four or five or more hours. So uh, mm-hmm. I would I would be mindful of that if you do have issues with fiber. Yeah. All righty. Next question is from Stormy. And Stormy says, um, I just finished the... Dumbo Double Dare at Disneyland going to the Avengers Half Marathon in November. Ah, my son would be, would be jealous of that. He <laughs> saw that Avengers Marathon. Uh, could you share some ideas about training for this? I did not have a great race either day. I also purchased a half marathon training plan. Should I start at the beginning? Where should I pick it up? Hmm, okay. This is a little bit, uh, little bit past the point of when this answer would have been useful. Ideas about training for the half marathon, I guess? If she's already done the Dumbo Double Dare, which I don't really know what that is, but I would imagine that means multiple races. Uh, no, I don't have any special ideas about training for half marathon other than the standard ones that are in that book. So uh, that would that would be the place to go is read that book. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, you get anything else there, Doug? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. All right, on to the next one from Karen, who says, on page 67 of your book, and I'm assuming she's talking about the... Uh, actual no meat athlete book it talks about calculating your daily calories under the bmr and it has 655 for women and only 66 for men uh is that accurate yes this is accurate i've had this question before and i double checked this if you look at the the bmr which is i believe it's pronounced basal metabolic rate uh and you're trying to calculate how much energy does your body use just by existing just even if you're not doing activity and you know, useful in, in calories in, calories out calculations. But when you try to figure out the use of the formula, it's a different one for men and women. And the formulas look very similar, except there's this constant added to each one of them, 
the men's is like 66 or I guess 66. The women's is 655, and they seem way off, and it seems like a typo. Uh, but I think it's just however that formula got developed, which probably was statistics and regression and all this, it ended up that, that when you do a, do a line of best fit or whatever it was, that's that's how it worked out. So no, not a typo, but good question. Stuff. Yeah, let's pause right now. All right. Next question is from Misty, and she says, if you are a beast and wanting to ensure that you get enough pre- protein, based on your formula, which is, I assume, the protein formula that you have on the website, Matt, um, based on based on your formula, I would have to eat almost 150 grams of protein a day. Do you instead eat the amount of protein based on what you should weigh instead of what you actually weigh? Okay, so... When she says uh, formula, I don't know exactly which formula she's referring to. I think uh, you probably mean Matt Rosignos, who he wrote a guest post on Nomad Athlete called Protein for Vegetarian, or what is it? Sorry. Yeah, Protein, a Primer for Vegetarians. <clears throat> Actually pronounced Primer, I've heard, not Primer. Uh, fun fact. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, anyway, but his the formula that I see there is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, and to calculate your weight in kilograms, you would divide your weight in pounds by 2.2. So uh, he says it ends up coming out to 10, 15% of calories. And I believe that same formula appeared in our book as well. Um, but but back to the question, let's see. <laughs> that does seem like way too much protein. So I guess the, the problem is how do you how do you use a formula like that that's that's based on your body weight when your body weight is out of the normal range and it's one that you're hoping to get rid of, not maintain. Uh, I don't really have a good answer for that one. I think that's that's probably more a weight loss question. Like in, when you're trying to lose weight, are, do you try to eat the calories that, that you know a formula like that says you need for your ideal weight? Or do you start with something that's kind of close to where your current weight is but just a little bit under, like like to have a little reachable goal that's just under where you – currently eat and slowly go that way so i don't really have a good answer for that one um and i apologize for that i guess if you were trying to maintain your current weight yes that formula is correct but since you're not you probably should just go talk to a specific weight loss person all right so next one is from annabelle and she says hey matt huge longtime fan over here moving to all no moving to Asheville in october for a job okay this question comes up all the time by the way so it'll be good to have a have it recorded that we can send people <laughs> to. Um, so moving to Asheville, super excited to be in Asheville. Wondering if you could suggest some good places to go running. Also, is there a good vegan club? Uh, have you thought of doing anything about no meat athlete having no meat athlete nights in town? So uh, there there might even be another question in this bunch about Asheville that we'll get to. But people always want to know, like, do we like it? Uh, they want to know about the schools. They want to know all these different things, um, as if we are the tourism board or something. <laughs> but in this case, uh, Annabelle is not asking that. She's just asking friendly questions. Uh, good places to go running. It depends if you like roads or trails. There's plenty of trails that Doug could tell you more about. Uh, personally, I like running roads, and in my neighborhood, it's really hilly, so I think it's it's really great. It's a, it's the best neighborhood I've ever lived in for running. I know there's something called the Asheville Track Club that I haven't personally gone to, but they do not just track workouts, but actually running stuff. And there are two or three running stores in town. One of them is a new one called Asheville Running Company, I think, uh, over in West Asheville. I went there and uh, bought my wife some Christmas stuff there, actually, and they were really nice, and they do some some neat runs. Some are for women, some are for mothers. 
so as for Vegan Running Club and No Meat Athlete Nights, uh, there is technically a No Meat Athlete Asheville group, but we haven't actually done anything yet. Uh, during the end of the year, I was busy, and I couldn't really commit to doing anything. But there were, I don't know, eight or ten people in there who who were interested in doing stuff. So I think we're going to make something happen pretty soon in this new year. But even if we don't, I mean, it's, I don't know. There's a lot, Asheville is a vegan-friendly place. So if you go out with a regular running group in Asheville and you end up at a restaurant or a brewery or something with a food truck, chances are you're going to have some vegan food and and vegan conversation as well. But uh, that's so that that's where it is. I think there's another Asheville question coming, so I can talk more about some of the other stuff there. But uh, what about trails, though? What do you got to add to that one in 25 seconds? Oh, yeah, there's tons of great trails. I would hit up... Um... The mountains to sea trail along the parkway. There's just in, any number of trails along the parkway right out inside that goes through Asheville, basically. Um, you can run for hundreds and hundreds of miles on these trails. And Bent Creek's another great place for that. Uh, and then if you're willing to travel a little bit out towards Black Mountain, there's um, lots of great stuff. So Matt's giving me the out of time. All right. So next one is from Penny, who says, Hi, Matt. Do you have time for a question? Yes, we do, Penny. Uh, <laughs> Two minutes, actually. <laughs> six months after you asked it, but yes, we do. Uh, I'm struggling with sticking to a no-meat diet. I seem to run better with protein to level up blood sugar, blood sugar, but don't feel good about animal proteins in my diet. Any suggestions? Uh, well, I think... I mean, I could be wrong about this. I, I don't claim to know everything there is to know about nutrition, but I think when people say that they seem to feel better with protein or run better with protein... Uh, and then explain it with something like level out blood sugar. I think mainly that's a psychological thing that you you think something's different because you're eating different, and it's easy to apply some sort of explanation to how you feel. And I just I think a lot of that feeling like we need protein is really in our heads. Uh, so so that said, that that's my suggestion is is read. I mean, there's so many good sources out there that you can convince yourself either way. You can convince yourself that that animal protein is not adequate for for training or I mean I'm sorry, not having animal protein. Plant protein is not adequate for anything you want to do. Isn't adequate for even living like a normal human being. And there are so many other good sources and examples that that will show you that it is entirely possible and great athletes who do it. Some people will say, well yes, there are exceptions, their bodies are different and some people will say the human body isn't all that different from person to person. I mean, we're all still the same species, and we just don't vary that much. So you can believe whatever you want to believe. So I would say pick the thing you want to believe, go read up all about it, and uh, and then try it. I mean, because I think that's going to remove this psychological thing in your head about uh, that I seem to run better with protein. Because you, you can, And also you can get plenty of protein in your diet without animal proteins as well. So... Anything to add there, Doug, in nine seconds? Nope, that's a perfect answer. (laughs) Okay. All right, this one's from Stacy, and she says, "Uh, I purchased the half marathon roadmap a while ago. I was going to give it a try soon once it starts to cool off here. Can't seem to bring myself to start when it's almost 100 degrees out. (laughs) Timely timely question. (laughs) (laughs) But I was wondering if I need something a little more for beginners like this new 5K roadmap you are offering, or would the half marathon be just as good? My other question is, will a lot of the information in the 5K be repetitive from what I already purchased in the half marathon roadmap? Okay. So we did some very basic filtering of these emails. And the reason I left this one in here, and I mean, I mean really basic, like we did not filter almost anything, but, <laughs> but if they were like super customer service, we did filter those out. This one I left in because I think it's a common question and uh, it's important for people to know this. Uh, so the first question she said is, 
would a beginner's program be better for her? I don't know that answer because I didn't really hear anything about uh, your running ability, Stacy, or experience. So I don't know about that answer. But as for will they be repetitive, uh, I mean, they're kind of repetitive. Like the diet section is is very much the same in all the roadmaps. There's the, it's not like you need to eat that differently for your first sprint triathlon or your first 5K. Also, my the way I typically eat in terms of calories, I'm not that big on saying you need to get this many calories exactly. It's more like eat till you're full. So that kind of guideline goes whether you're training for a marathon or training for a 5K. So the the diet sections are very similar in those. The running or sections, even in the 5K, especially from the 5K to the half marathon and full, is different. 5K is much more about starting, just getting started as a runner, developing the habit. Uh, lots and lots of beginner questions. Marathon and half marathon, they still are beginner focused. Like they're meant for a first time half marathon or marathon runner. And there's some overlap, but uh, it's different. It's more, you know, there's focus. There's talk about the long run. There's talk about what kind of equipment you would need for doing runs like that. So that's the primary difference. I hope that helps you. All right. Whoops. I've I've got Julie's queued up here. The next question queued up here, it's from Julie. And it says... Really enjoy reading your emails and articles, but I'm coming to you for maybe a little more running advice. I have a half marathon in mid-October, so Julie, I hope that went well. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm struggling with my mileage and gaining that sense of feeling good while running. I'm way behind on my training, and I'm hoping for some just-do-this-to-survive advice. Not asking for a miracle, but just wanting to survive. So, what do you have for Julie, Matt? Okay, so she wants advice on how to survive her half marathon that happened three months ago, um, which is our, our fault for not, not answering that, and I apologize for that, Julie. Um, I mean, my best just to survive advice is go out really, really slow, like so much slower than you think. And this advice applies also to your first 100-miler or whatever you're doing. It just I think if you just go slow, it's just so much better. I mean, you can I've talked about it a lot of times, but you can... You can have a really slow first half. Like, let's say you go out really, really slowly, ridiculously slow, and you get halfway down the race, and you realize that that was way too slow, and now you speed up for the next half of the race, and you finish it, and you end up feeling great, but you just have this little nagging feeling that you that you could have finished a lot faster had you gone faster. Compare that to the experience of going out too fast, absolutely crashing halfway through, you know, just wanting it to be over, having to walk at the end, it just being this miserable, dreadful day. I feel like either one of those experiences is totally feasible, and I would, for a first race, much rather have that first experience where you mm-hmm. feel like, I can't wait to come back and do this again and do better. And the the way to make sure that happens is to start out really, really slow, like, you know, overly cautiously slow, and uh, and just go from there. Like, once you get halfway or three-quarters of the way, then let yourself speed up, But but I would say... Don't don't until you get to that point. And that was my strategy for the hundred too. I didn't want it to be the worst day of my life, and mm-hmm. I, so many people had warned me that it would be. That uh, I started off really really slowly, walked twenty five minutes, and sorry, ran twenty five minutes and took five minute walk breaks from the beginning. Uh, but I'm out of time. One thing I, I will say here in our defense of having emails here from September that we haven't answered, it, we do answer the vast majority of emails that come through here. Uh, and we're still answering these. Like we don't, we, we let almost nothing slip through that never gets an answer. Uh, even though that trying to get away from answering email all the time, like I, as as the blog has gotten more popular, of course there's got become more and more email. Uh, Doug's here to help me out with it, and 
we still do a pretty good job, I think, of answering when people just say, hey, we have some, we, I have an advice question. Can you answer this question? I'm, I'm still proud of how well we are able to answer those questions and get them answered. Uh, but now and then, you know, there's one, and I, I'm a bit of a procrastinator, so sometimes I'll let them pile up, and uh, that's the situation here. But we are answering them just a little bit late. Yeah. And <laughs> if you have a burning question and you really want it answered, the best way to get it answered is to call it in uh, to the No Meat Athlete Radio hotline. It's 951-NO-MEAT-1. That's a good point. I mean, because, first of all, we want that a lot more. It's way more fun to do this with live voices, I think. But... We ha- we read one of these things per episode. That's that's the amount that's coming in right now. So if you actually want to make sure your question gets answered very quickly, assuming it's a reasonable question, mm-hmm. then phoning it in is the best way you have to jump to the front of the line and get it answered live on the air. So do that. We don't. I want to keep doing these Q and A things, not not like this, not this lightning round style. But I really would like to keep doing listener Q and A episodes now and then, uh, or or just having them in the beginning. But they'll be so much better if they're actual call-in questions. I, this this format is fun to try, but I don't know that we'll want to keep doing it like this. Yeah, definitely. All right, next question is from Jefferson, and he says, Hey, Matt, I've been trying to run a plant-based diet, but I'm still in college, and it seems to be difficult to obtain all the nice variety from dorm food. It seems all they offer are lettuce, canned kidney beans, and blanched vegetables. I try to buy fresh fruits and vegetables from a market, but it is just hard when you don't have a kitchen. What can you suggest? It's a good right. one. So this email was written seven years ago. So Jefferson probably now has a job and a family, and he's no longer <laughs> in college. But uh, anyway, Jefferson, that, that's a joke. This was written in September, so he's Jefferson's probably still in college, unless he's on some weird plan. Uh, probably just returning from from winter break, actually. So um, what to suggest? I mean, I don't. You know, eating blanched vegetables and kidney beans and lettuce. That's not a, a horrendous way to eat. I think if you're used to eating... Like, when I was a kid, I would have said, you can't possibly eat like that. That's just a weird way to eat. But, I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of fresh food in there. I see that. But, I mean, I think I, I could go through a period where I eat that way for a while and, and be pretty healthy at it. I mean, you're doing a good job buying fresh fruits and vegetables from the market. I don't know. I mean, that's... that's uh, I didn't eat this way in college. In college, I was... I cooked a lot of my own food when we lived off campus because we actually did have a kitchen. But if you don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, I really, I would I would do that sal- whatever kind of salad bar you can find, I would hit that. A lot of campuses have like a fresh place that does more salad bar stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. At our When I went to JMU, we had like, there were like eight choices in the main dining hall. And you could always find one that was reasonably healthy. I mentioned that Body for Life program that I was doing, and I had guidelines there I had to follow. And I was able to make it work. But... I get that it's hard. I mean, it's eat, the with freshness, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. That's that's the I think really the most important thing you can do in a healthy diet now. And I wasn't getting that back then, even though I thought I was eating healthy because I was getting a good amount of protein, carbs, and fat, but no fresh stuff. So uh, I think I think Jefferson, you're doing the right thing by buying those fresh fruits and veggies. There are there are meal delivery type services. They're not going to be super cheap, but uh, that's an option too. Yeah, if you if you have a friend that lives off campus and might have an apartment with a kitchen, you know you could do maybe once a week plan to cook them dinner, but then also uh, take home you know some leftovers for the next day or two just to kind of mix things up a little bit. We had kitchens in our dorm room, like in the basement of our dorm room, not the dorm room, the dorm right, building. Right, kitchen. Yeah, I guess we might have had that too. Yeah, which I never used, but you know I could have. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I let us go a little long on that one, but. Uh... 
we're back on schedule here with Mark. And Mark's question is, Matt, how are you, brother? I'm going to pursue a fruits and vegetables and water diet. Any tips on this action? Fruit, Doug, you want to handle that one? and water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're eating, that's a fruitarian diet, basically. No nuts and seeds, just, just raw fruits and vegetables and nothing else. Some fruitarians won't even drink water. They think it just comes in fruit and that's a, that's a big topic of debate huh. among them yeah even among the experts at the at the fruit festival the the pioneers i think they were called some were into water and some were not and like they sat on different sides of the cafeteria because they didn't like each other that's not true <laughs> <laughs> uh okay my, my tips on that are are read eighty ten ten by dr douglas graham i'm not here to endorse that book or uh his stuff i mean i don't i read it i thought it was really interesting and did it for a month Loved how I felt, but lost a lot of weight and stopped doing it. So I don't, I can't speak from any amount of long-term experience of how that went, but I did find the book fascinating. I would recommend reading that. I would recommend looking up Mike Arnstein. I would recommend just looking in the fruitarian stuff. You'll find plenty of information online, plenty of YouTube people who do that stuff. The problem's going to be sorting through it and finding, uh, you know, the most reputable sources you can. And it's hard with a new field like that that so many people view as as extreme. Uh, but th- that's my advice. Try as much as you can. Try to find expert advice, and I'm not that expert on that diet. Maybe yeah, I, I've got nothing out of there. Nothing. All right. Okay. So here we go. Uh, this is a long one from Julia. Okay. So Julia uh, has a long story here about how she is becoming vegan, and I think that's really awesome. The question is at the end. She says, "Any advice on how to tell negative people to butt out, or at least to tolerate them?" Uh, it's the way I want to treat my body. You don't understand why everyone has to make me feel like I'm doing something wrong, so on and so on. Okay, so Julia, that is not an uncommon story or experience. I think a lot of people, when they go vegan, have that, that exact issue, that, that suddenly everyone becomes a nutrition expert and wonders about protein and all this other stuff when when you know they don't necessarily have any reason to... That they don't know any more than you do as someone who's thinking about this stuff. So... I don't know. In my experience, what we've done is just be extremely open about this the entire time. Like at no point did I try to defend my diet. When people would ask about it, I would just have a conversation about it. And if they would criticize it, I don't know. I would just say like, okay, that's that's uh, interesting. And that if they would make a fair point, yes, that that's a good point. I I don't know. I mean, just like I didn't I didn't try to uh, defend it. I didn't try to convince them to try it themselves or even to to accept that I was doing this, but. I don't know, and I started a blog about it, and everyone, if, I, if they wanted to find out about it, they could go there and see it there, and I got plenty of validation from people who read the blog, books, and people that I found out about through the blog, so that's my advice. I mean, to just be as open as possible. Like, if we if we were going to an event, we would make food ahead of time, or basically just not expect anything, have no expectations for for having something that we could eat at this party or something, and we'd eat ahead of time or we'd bring our own thing just be as gracious as possible and uh that that had worked has worked really well i think some some hardcore vegans who who are in this to change other people would would not like that approach because they want to they want it to be noticed and they want it to be a fight and they want to defend it and convert people and and i understand that that's fine but that's not been my my approach at all and uh, i've been happy with how mine worked out yeah i I just find that people seem to get the most um vocal about it if they feel like their their way is being attacked um so if that's not if you're not one of those people who's trying to convert everyone then um you know just making it clear that you're not trying to you know push your diet on them 
um, and 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 generally people seem to leave you alone. That's what we all want, just to be left alone, isn't it? My body, my choice, you know. <laughs> there you go. Okay, this next one is from Tatum, and I think I think she says, I'm training for my first half marathon. Seems like I still struggle with eating enough after my long runs. I feel good after and during my runs. Then as the day go, goes by, even as I keep eating, I get extremely fatigued and muscle soreness quickly. Read your post-workout suggestions and other websites, but I still struggle. Today and always after my runs, I have a smoothie right away. Banana, all this stuff in there. And at least another banana and or medjool dates. Today I tried a big green salad with fresh homegrown sprouts at the same time as well within an hour. A bowl of rice pasta and tomato sauce with hemp hearts. What else can I eat to help fuel and recover and not feel like crap after my long runs? Okay, good. Um, I mean, I generally, after a long run, not, not all runs, but after a long run, just eat tons of stuff. And it's a lot of it is junk. Like it used to be an entire pizza or half a pizza, just like stuff that I didn't really think was good for me, but I was just starving. So I just ate it. And then I would get hungry again two hours later and like throughout the rest of the day, you know, it might be at noon, two, four, six, and eight. I'd be hungry again for another meal like that, mm-hmm. and I just kept eating. And I think that you know, so it's so much more than Tatum, what you've mentioned here. But if you are continuing to eat this way throughout the day, then I think you're doing a good job. I can't tell if you stop eating at that point uh, or what, but you know, I I just have eat I just eat tons of stuff, and as much as possible now, I'll try to make it healthy stuff. But it's still a lot of stuff. I think the starchy stuff, rice, pastas, those things are are good to fill you up without being too unhealthy. And you can add vegetables to those, of course. Doug, what do you think as someone who does more than your share of long runs? <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I feel like crap no matter what I eat unless I take a nap. And I almost always take a shower, eat, and then take like twenty twenty five minute nap. And I will feel so much better than if I've if I haven't taken that nap. So you know, like you said, eating a lot and you know eating this healthy stuff. I mean, she sounds like she's eating plenty of healthy food, just continuing to eat that, and then making sure you have a little time to let your body decompress, either through a nap or just a little quiet time. You know, I guess it depends on what your schedule and your family situation is. But and don't forget foam rolling, light stretching, that type of thing uh, can be really good for for the day after or the, the during the day after you've run a long run. So not just nutrition. Yep. All right, this question is from Rajwant, I guess. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, Raj is probably what the nickname is. <laughs> says, uh, been vegetarian for quite a long time, almost 10 years, but being an Indian by origin, my food habits involve a lot of spices. Coriander, turmeric, cloves, black pepper, cinnamon, chili. Sounds great. It does sound great, doesn't it? We're yeah. actually having a chana masala tonight, and I, that makes me more excited just reading those spices. <laughs> okay, um... I'm a bit inclined to food with spices. I'm not sure what that... Okay, like food. Yeah, yeah. got it. Mm-hmm. Um, would appreciate if you can give me some suggestions on preparation which suits my palate. Actually, I'm a bit of a foodie. So, I, I mean, I, I would just keep eating that stuff. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't I don't see any problem. You can make Indian food healthy. It's just like you have to... If you're trying to be vegan, you need to switch, substitute the you know, coconut oil or something for the ghee because you don't want any dairy in there, obviously, if you're trying to be vegan. It says you're vegetarian. You don't need to substitute coconut oil. No, you, know, you substitute coconut oil oh, for the ghee. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, I, right, I stumbled right. on saying that. But uh, coconut oil, it makes a particularly good substitute for for dairy, you know, butters and things like that because it's high in saturated fat. So it works well for that stuff. Uh, there's another one too that does, but I can't remember what the name of it is. Uh, but we eat Indian food all the time. As I said, tonight we're having chana masala. So 
you need to i mean i watch the oil because a lot of times there is a lot of oil in those things but other than that i don't know i mean make sure you i get get the rice make sure you're getting a low arsenic source of rice which usually means imported if you actually get imported indian basmati it will be lower in arsenic than a u.s grown rice generally um but yeah i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with using all those spices i think they're great and then also wondering about the good or bad effects of spices on the body. What amount of spices would be favorable with the goal of achieving an athletic body? Uh, I don't have a good answer to that one. I don't know what amount is favorable or optimal. I know there are different philosophies about it. A lot of people think of spices as kind of like natural pharmaceuticals that, you, yeah. know, you know, powerful things for the body that if you take them in large amounts, they have a, your body does react to them in, in a strong way. And sometimes that's a good way in some people's view in trying to cure something other times it's uh too much inflammation causing or whatever so there's like the ayurvedic tradition and i think even some of the macrobiotic stuff that that says that some things are bad i think even some indian stuff says that onions and garlics onions and garlic this and i forget the name are they they're not nightshades are they i don't know i don't know they they have a name uh and that they're you know inflammation causing not good for you so it really depends on who you ask I, I personally think that spices are good. A lot of them are high in antioxidants and things like that. So I think just just in in normal, reasonable amounts. Don't go crazy with them, uh, particularly with salt. I, I think salt is something we don't want to get too much of. But otherwise, I think I, I don't I don't limit my own spice intake. No. Salt is the only thing I really limit as far as seasonings. And look them up. Look up what spices, how your body reacts to certain spices and which ones you can kind of be a little more heavy-handed on and which ones you need to... Take a step back from. All right. Uh, here's another question. This one is from Travis. And this says, The reason for my contact is I'm giving strong consideration to moving to Asheville from the Washington, D.C. area. Oh. Hey, I know somebody who did that. <laughs> uh, Maryland native, came across a post from you about your move to Asheville, discovered that you moved from Maryland, but Doug actually moved from D.C., if you if you don't, don't know that, Travis. Uh, also a runner... Okay, let's see. So, a lot of a lot of background here. First, generally gathering my thoughts on the area and the running scene. So, yeah, let's just talk about quickly about Asheville, Doug. I think he just generally wants general information on what what we think of it as people who are runners and family people similar to him. Uh, I mean, I think Asheville is it's unlike any other place I've been. It's even it's different even from like a Portland or Austin because to me it's kind of like those have their their section that is sort of hippy dippy and Asheville is like one big that <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, i don't know Asheville is is a really small place 80,000 people or so and everyone here i'm not everyone but almost everyone here is into just something really weird health stuff or music or yeah art i mean not that those things are weird but just into uh-huh. that way more than most people are right beer yeah, beer scene is is different. I mean the the food scene like there's a farmers market every single day in Asheville during the summer that you can go to. Not not one, but there are like seven different ones, and any day of the week you can find one. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really uh, unique eclectic eclectic type of town. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I've heard people I've heard complaints from people who think it's too much that they just they come here and they think it's too there are too much hippie stuff and it's just not for them and they want more of young corporate people and i do i miss that i don't miss that part because i haven't lived in a big city but having been to some big cities and seen them i wish we had a little bit more of that side like entrepreneurial type 
there's plenty of entrepreneur stuff, but a lot of it is just I don't know. I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's just you don't get the same feeling here as you do when you walk down the street in San Francisco and go to a cafe. It's a totally different feel, more laid back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps people are less ambitious, which in some ways is really good, and in some ways I think it, sometimes I wish there was more ambition around. Uh, but you know, I'm just generalizing. This is totally not there. There are plenty of individuals who break this mold, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's my feel. We love it though. It's it's amazing. Like that, we can go my wife and I to a brewery and, and bring kids and it's acceptable. You could even bring dogs if you wanted. And the kids just run around and play and listen to bluegrass music and do that. We get to drink a beer or two and hang out with other people. Very friendly, fun place. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that's my experience. What, what do you think, Doug? And yeah. run, we didn't, I didn't talk about running scene either, but yeah, well, just to touch on the running scene. Um, it, it has a great one. I, I would say it, especially if you're into trail running and a really big vibrant trail and ultra running scene um but also road running there's a couple big road races every year and then i think two marathons um and yeah i mean i I think it's it it looks like maybe you've been extended a job offer to open up one of the new running stores in the area which seems like pretty cool opportunity to me it's a great place to live and if you're a runner and and a vegan then i say go for it there you go uh yeah, I didn't I didn't realize didn't see that part, but I wonder if he that might even be Asheville Running Company because that is a new one in the area. Anyway, um, yeah, we didn't mention the vegan scene. That that was what initially attracted us here was that it was a place that wasn't a huge city, but and wasn't on the west coast and still had a really strong vegan friendliness to it. So that's that's a huge benefit. Yeah. Okay, next one is from. Let me reset our timer. This one is from Gina, who says, uh, I purchased the Half Marathon Training Guide. I have a question. I live in South Florida, and that's where my race will be as well. Is it necessary to do the hill training? If so, how should I go about it since there are none where I live? Treadmill, I hate treadmills. Uh, or should I replace with something else? So this is a good question. It, it's one that I've answered before. It has come up also from people in Florida, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if your race is in Florida, and your race is going to be on flat, then there's not that much of a need to train on hills. In fact, you wouldn't want to just train exclusively on hills because you want to get some flat training in before a race that's on flat. Uh, that said, some of that plan is written with the idea of just getting someone in shape, who, you know, making them a stronger runner all around, and that's why there's hill training in there because it's going to work different muscles, and it's also going to give you a good workout. They say that hill, hill training is speed work in disguise because it does tax your anaerobic system somewhat, makes you work a little bit harder besides just being on different angles and having to having to push harder with your legs there you know you need to you need to breathe more and and it's good for for your aerobic and anaerobic systems so uh i don't know i mean i would say yeah the treadmill works but you don't have to do that i've heard of people in florida who run on run over bridges as hill training it's kind of like one of the few spots where they can get a decent incline um you could also do you could go to the gym and do squats or deadlifts and just work your legs it's not quite the same as as hill training because you're not going to get that that cardio benefit at the same time but uh yeah i mean i don't know that's what i would say just it's not totally necessary if your race is on flat but if you want to be more injury proofed and just more well-rounded stronger runner better to get some hills in if you can and the treadmill or bridges might work for that all right next question this uh this next one this next one I'm really this is fun. 
All right, read it then. All right. Um, as you may know, Runner's World UK has been photoshopped. So I don't know if you uh, listeners remember, but we had um, Micah Risk on for a podcast, and she was on the cover of Runner's World, the U.S. Runner's World, wearing socks that said vegan, like knee-high socks that said vegan up the side, which is pretty cool. Um, but apparently the cover in the U.K. removed the word vegan, so it just had black socks. And so uh, this person was asking if uh, you could talk about uh, comment on on behalf of, of of the U.S. publication. So they they actually created a change. no on behalf of vegetarians and vegan. Oh right to the <laughs> to the U.S. publication or something. Right. And they actually they actually created a public uh, a petition on change.org um, asking for comment from Runners World, which I just looked it up and they did. <laughs> they commented about 2,000 people or about 1,500 people signed the petition um, and Runner's World responded uh, yeah, saying that uh, they respect the choice of vegans the moral choice and respect those who make that choice we appreciate you voicing your concerns um, and that basically they when they send the cover over to Harsh Magazines UK who runs Runner's World UK um they have to remove part of their policies. They have to remove any sort of branding. So that's why they... Oh, really? Yeah. Is that considered branding? Apparently. Well, the response from the people who signed the petition was <laughs> that, that that shouldn't be considered branding, but um, yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't think that really is considered branding. I don't think that's a good, a good uh, explanation by Runner's World, or at least by whoever had the has the policy of removing brands. I mean, that that's not a brand... It's certainly not the brand of the socks, I don't think. There's, I don't know if there's a brand called Vegan. Um, but to the original question, I mean, I can understand why people would be incensed by this and, and angry, and that makes sense. I don't really get angry about that sort of thing, and I I don't – I think they run a magazine. It, this isn't a, a freedom of speech issue or anything. I mean, they can, they can put whatever they want on their magazine and choose not to put whatever they want on their magazine. So I don't I don't have any problem with that at all. Um you know, he said, "Is this that this is not acceptable?" You know, I feel like it is kind of acceptable for them to do what they want with their magazine. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't like that. I feel like it was awesome that that Runners World put this on the cover of their magazine during their redesign issue. And I feel like if if stuff like this gets big and they get a lot of backlash, then it's like, okay, well, they, let's not make that mistake again and put let's you know let's not mm-hmm. do anything with vegan and vegetarian anymore because we know that they're gonna do this stuff if we don't. So I don't know. I I just I stay out of that stuff and don't get involved at all in that stuff. So we did notice when we went to the Runners World event, they had a giant version of this cover, and that right. it had the vegan had been removed on that one too. So uh, we trashed it. So we, we yeah we, the cardboard <laughs> thing burned it. <laughs> no. So okay, so that's that. All right, next one is from Brother Sean, and he says, "Hey Matt, oops, sorry, time just ran out." He says, hey, Matt, I'm certainly no bodybuilder, but I'm fast approaching my fourth month of light resistance training, 25-pound dumbbells max. Yes, you are certainly no bodybuilder. That is correct. <laughs> Tons of cardio, some plyo, lots of abs, and some kickboxing. I've been going off of how I feel, and I only felt totally defeated during one workout, so I figured I was doing it right. Yeah, I would agree. That's That sounds great. Congratulations. Um, so, also, do you think that a big gulp of liquid nutritional yeast and a handful of honey... Honey Nut Cheerios is enough for a pre-workout boost of aminos and carbs. And for that matter, are essential amino acids 
and proteins the same in a diet to build muscle. Okay. Again, I'm not doing bodybuilding, but I'm interested in converting what's left of my flab into solid, hard, 40-year-old human male. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Brother Sean, I think that's cool that you were doing that, um, especially at age 40. I think that's it's just, a, it's just I, I know the feeling not of being 40, but of, of kind of feeling a sense of rebirth and just getting really fit. It's just fun to do that thing. So uh, congratulations. Uh, so first thing, Honey Nut Cheerios would not be vegan if you are vegan. I, I doubt that you are. You probably wouldn't have written that if you are. Uh, and some people even consider themselves vegan, but but don't mind honey. I think like Rich Roll even uh, used in his first cookbook thing had honey in there. Really? Which surprised me. Yeah. And I don't know if he even called himself vegan or not then. Maybe mm. he was just saying plant whatever. Plant powered. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so I don't know. I, you know, some vegans don't eat, don't care about honey, but some really do. And, and I think to be a true 100% actual vegan, you should not eat honey if that's your goal. Um, okay. So the question though, is that good for a pre-workout boost of aminos and carbs? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know about liquid nutritional yeast, nor do I really, I don't really use liquid or nutritional yeast as a health food. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced that, that yeasts are good in our body. I think, I think it's okay. We put it on pastas and cheesy sauces now and then, but I don't know if I would eat it as a health supplement. Uh, so I don't know. I think the only things that I would change here, yes, you're, you're doing a good job of getting, it sounds like the right ratio of protein to carbs. I would try to get that slightly more naturally, like a, a glass of fruit juice with some some protein powder stirred into it. And I realize protein powder isn't the most natural thing, but if you get hemp protein powder or something that's fairly minimally processed, hemp protein powder in a glass of orange juice is not going to taste terribly good. But just like you said, a big gulp of it and then it's down, and that's that to me would be a pretty good post pre workout meal. Uh, you want that ratio, at least for runners, want that ratio of five to one carbs to protein i don't know if it's going to be quite the same for lifting weights but i can't imagine it's all that different five to one yeah five I, would to one. Said, I would have said three to one no i think it's five to one before four to one during and three to one after oh oh, oh right before yep okay yeah. uh and then for, for that matter are essential amino acids and proteins the same in a diet to build muscles so i don't know quite what the question oh i guess okay are you i guess does a runner versus someone who's trying to build muscle need to do something differently with protein and essential amino acids that, that a runner does. So yeah, I think I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I think that as a bodybuilder or someone who's lifting weights a lot, because there is so much muscle repair that's got to happen, that you might actually need more protein than than is suggested for runners. I don't know that for sure, but it's worth thinking about. I don't I don't think you have to get different kinds of protein. I don't know that getting amino acids, you know, certain amino acids instead of just getting complete proteins or or not even thinking about it, just just eating a wide variety of foods, making sure you're getting the right amount of protein. And I feel like if you do that, your body's going to pull the amino acids, and you will you'll get the complete amino acids from your body. You don't have to eat them all in the same meal. So I honestly don't know that much about this. This is kind of speculation. I would check out uh, veganbodybuilding.com or I think veganmuscleandfitness.com. They'll have they have forums and stuff like that. You'll you'll get much better information there and plenty of help. All right. So I'm, I'm sort of like keep resetting the timer as I'm talking if I notice that I'm talking too long without, <laughs> without even thinking about it. I just don't want to hear that buzz. So I hope we're not going too long. All right, this one's from uh, AJ. It says, love your website. Could you please recommend the best energy bar recipe that you use that is high in protein, low in fat, high carbs, and can really aid in healing anemia? I'm constantly battling iron deficiency. Okay. Um, so no, on the spot, I don't, I don't know something that would aid in healing anemia. 
I know that uh, pumpkin seeds are kind of my daily iron source that I put in a smoothie. Not not that they are, are going to safeguard you against iron deficiency, but knowing that iron is a thing with vegetarians and we've got we've got two kids who I don't want them to be iron deficient, we just put that into the smoothie as a good iron source, raw pumpkin seeds. And we were doing some blackstrap molasses at once because my daughter was a little low in iron, they said, and blackstrap molasses also has a lot of iron. So you could you could work that in, use the energy bar formula that we mentioned earlier. Doug, what's the URL? Do you have that one written down? Uh, well, we had the veggie bar formula before. Oh, so this okay. is sorry. The, yeah, so this, this is, is the this is energy, energy bar. So if you either Google Ultimate Energy Bar Formula No Meat Athlete, uh, or we'll give you the URL in just a second. You can you can kind of make your own energy bar, and then in that you could work in pumpkin seeds, you could work in blackstrap molasses in place of some of the other sweetener or syrup. It I think blackstrap molasses is going to be not you don't want that to be your main sweetener because it just has a weird strong taste. But uh, you could you could make work that stuff in there. You can make it high protein by using protein powder in the energy bars. So that would be my my suggestion. I mean, there are plenty of good protein bars that that will meet the th- the things you needed to meet, but I just don't know that. I don't buy them or anything, so I don't know those offhand. And the the world famous Nomad Athlete Ultimate Energy Energy Bar Formula is located at nomadathlete.com slash homemade dash energy dash bar dash recipe. So homemade energy bar recipe with okay. dashes in there. So. Probably better off Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write those URLs with any Yeah, any if, if you did energy bar formula Nomad Athlete, that's the first thing that comes yeah, up. So Google that. Okay. But I see. I mean, iron deficiency not something to be taken lightly. So, so talk to a nutritionist or doctor and and figure out what you need to do because it's not just an energy bar is not going to solve that problem for you. Uh, go, you should figure out what it is and and there's also a post on No Meat Athlete again. Just Google it. Just say No Meat Athlete Iron for Vegetarians. Matt Rosigno, who is a vegan registered dietitian, wrote it and just has like a bunch of different tips about combining foods and even using a cast iron skillet and things like this that will help you get some iron because a lot of times iron deficiency is an absorption issue not an intake issue hmm. Right. so this next one's from mike and uh, it's something that you mentioned earlier and it's i just saw that we closed the pre-orders for the nomad athlete cycling jerseys and kits when will you be offering them again uh good question mike i've had a few people ask that recently and we don't know the exact time yet but we are going to be offering them again uh, again with hill killer apparel because that worked really well, and it turns out that they're vegans there. I don't know about if it's all of them or just the founders or what, but uh, I've heard several people have told me that they are vegan, which is cool. And we'll be doing that sometime for the spring. I don't know exactly when, but sometime my best guess would be February or March to have them delivered by late, you know, mid to late spring so people can use them for that. So thank you for your interest in that. The next question is from Vivian, who says, Hey, Matt, I'm preparing for a small 5K race, but since I'm building a routine while dealing with my transition from a translator interpreter to a coaching career, I'm struggling with meals preparation. Therefore, I decided to go not to go all the way preparing my meals for the day, but breakfast should be the first one to become whole and vegan. And I agree with that. That's a good, good transition strategy. Now I run in the mornings, and my questions are, is it better to run before eating with just water in your stomach Bear in mind, I run just about 30 minutes a day. So she has two more, but let's get to this one first. Is it better to run before eating with just water in your stomach? Oh, I see. Okay, so don't eat before you run. Um, no, I think if you have even 15 or 20 minutes of time before your run when you can eat something, and I think 
we mentioned dates before on this podcast. Date raw, fresh dates would be a really good thing to eat because the glucose gets very quickly into your bloodstream. Some say as soon as it goes in your mouth, it actually starts entering through under your tongue. So you can eat that with like 10 or 15 minutes to go, and that energy will start to become available to you during that 30-minute run. So uh, I would I would do that, and I don't know. I like to have a little something in my stomach when I run, but if you only had 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I probably wouldn't drink a whole smoothie because that might be sloshing around. Yeah. Um, also, it depends what kind of running you're doing. Like if you're in this for weight loss or something and you're doing easy runs and you're not that interested in, in trying – you said you're preparing for us 5K, but if you're not that interested in becoming serious about running and running a marathon or a half uh, or, or just improving your 5K as best you can, then you might not want to the, the calories that, that are going to go into your body if, you, if you're forcing something down before the run starts. So it depends on what your goals are and what you want to do. You don't if you're just doing easy runs, you do not need to eat before that run. But if you want to maximize the value of the run in terms of recovery and stuff like that, then I think it probably is good to get something in your body before. Because if you eat a few minutes before that run, that's going to even that's going to be there helping you to recover in those few minutes after the run. So I I would try to eat something if you can. Dates, fruit. I mentioned a few minutes ago, orange juice and protein powder. Something like that is fine too. Liquid will get into your bloodstream quick. So. Even if it's just like a few minutes ahead of time, do something like that. So question two is, is kind of goes to what you were just saying, and what's the best type of breakfast to eat? Yeah, so I, I mean I like – a smoothie is my favorite breakfast every day because it is raw fruits, and you can put a bunch of spinach in there, and you can put a bunch of raw nuts and seeds in there and lots of water. So I feel like those are some of the best foods I eat all day, and I eat them all at once to start the day. That's why I like that as a smoothie, but I wouldn't do that unless you've got like a full hour until your run uh, so that you can digest it and get it out of your stomach. Or you can try it. I mean, if you have, if you only have 20 minutes and you want to try the smoothie and just see what happens, it's worth trying and learning and seeing if, if that's enough time for you to get it, get it kind of out of your stomach. Uh, so that's, you know, that and what we said before is probably your best breakfast. And then last question is, can you point to some recipes in your website or NMA book? So the perfect smoothie formula, which we've now mentioned a couple of times, is on the website just Google Nomad Athlete Perfect Smoothie Formula uh, or just read a Nomad Athlete blog post because I link to it every post, it seems. <laughs> uh, in the Nomad Athlete book, that smoothie formula is also there. Other breakfasts? I mean, I don't know. Do I have other breakfasts that I mention often, Doug? People are into no. oatmeal. I don't really do oatmeal. I just don't like it, but that, that works too. Uh, so, yeah, those are those are my breakfast recipes. I guess I don't have a lot of breakfast options because I do that smoothie so much. You know, what you know what I had the other day. What what I've started doing is um, this was just last week. So um, anyway, <laughs> I chop up a banana and put a glob of almond butter, and then put oatmeal on top, and it melts the almond butter. And so then when you dive in, it just like <laughs> explodes with delicious goodness, and it's so good. <laughs> nice. All right, that sounds like something Matt Rusigno eats for breakfast, which is just a big mash of oatmeal and fruits and things. Oh yeah, but he didn't mention any flavor explosion or anything. You should, you should it's like a, it's like a lava of <laughs> almond goodness. Nice. All right. Almost done here. Roseanne's question says, I've been trying to follow a Nomi diet and get back to running. I do have heartburn, but my stomach has been hurting after I eat. Okay. I usually eat toast for breakfast and oatmeal and fruit, a salad and potato for lunch, and pasta with sauce, or a veggie and rice dish for dinner. Am I eating too much fiber? I've cut out alcohol and caffeine. Yeah. Okay. So the question is, is that too much fiber? I guess I guess to explain the heartburn and or stomach hurting. 
And I don't I don't know about that. I don't know anything about fibers linked to those things. So I will not pretend like I do. But as I was reading it, uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like that is a lot of starchy stuff. If it's if every single day you're getting the toast and the oatmeal in your breakfast, every lunch you're getting the potato. I can't know if it's potato and pasta or if that's now into dinner, that it's pasta with sauce or a veggie and rice for dinner. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I think you could. I think you could stand to go a few miles without, or a few meals without, without that starchy thing in there. The smoothie, like I said, it could be a good breakfast. You could have just a huge salad uh, for for lunch and not have the potato. I mean, I'd just try it and I would see how you feel and see if you feel any different. But I don't. I honestly don't know that much about fiber and and what how how it can affect the body if you're getting too much of it. Other than the issue we talked about earlier. All right, this one is from Sue Ray says, hey, I was wondering, do you have a no-meat athlete in D.C.? I'm doing an event in January. I think it would be nice to have someone on the Q&A panel speak for the trees. Um, right now, no-meat athlete, as far as people who would, like, speak on behalf of no-meat athlete, that would only be me, probably. And I don't really do a lot of that stuff, uh, speaking, traveling to speak. I'm just not that all that interested in, in going anywhere to do speaking, maybe for really big things that, that would come up. But uh, And I have a few things on my schedule, but... But right now, no. At some point, it's possible that Nomad Athlete will, will expand to be something that just has a lot more people, you know, all over the place who, who represent the brand. But right now, we don't have that. So, uh, unfortunately, right now, the answer is no. But good question, Sue Ray. All right, this next question is from Shal, and it's kind of a long question, so I'll paraphrase. Paraphrase. <laughs> paraphrase. Uh, Shao recently changed to vegan 30 day challenge and things went well. She, I think noticed that she didn't say a huge difference, but did notice that, uh, doesn't have the midday slump that she used to get, which is really nice. And that's something that I noticed too. It's, it's one of the, the big things actually, the big benefits of eating this way for me. Stomach bathroom issues are much better, which is nice as well. Okay, good. So then the question though is because, is however, I've been told by a few people that paleo is the way to go. And so I did some reading on beans and legumes, and I'm trying to find out if there's any truth to how bad legumes and grains can be. I'm 90% gluten-free, so my grains are quinoa, brown and wild rice, rice or quinoa, pastas, etc., and then a bunch of beans. Is this bad? Uh, kind of like I said earlier, it, whatever you you can you can find sources to back up whatever you want to believe. So there's plenty of uh, paleo advocacy on the web, and there's plenty of anti-paleo stuff on the web yeah i mean you've you've kind of just i don't know it seems to me that there's a lot of truth to eating whole foods and that's the big you know what makes 80 percent of the difference is just eat fresh whole foods you know they just things that are that aren't in aren't processed aren't bought in boxes bought from the produce section and then there's the question of is is meat and i mean even paleo they don't do dairy but then it's kind of the question like is is meat as bad as so many vegans say it is and is grains and beans as bad as most paleo say it is i feel like you can you can have the diets be very similar except for those few things so i don't think i don't i think both sides are probably over overstating their case for how bad the other one is uh so i don't know i like to eat the vegan because it it is ethically aligned with how i feel and uh has worked really well there are lots and lots of good examples of people who who are elite athletes as vegans and i think there are probably just as many examples as paleos i don't really know for sure but uh, i would imagine there are so you've got to just choose one and uh, i don't 
I, the short answer, I don't think beans and greens are nearly as bad as most paleos would have you believe. And nutritionally, I don't think meat is probably as bad as most vegans would have you believe. So there it is. There it is. This next one's from Maggie, and uh, she's a mother. She says, I would like to know some tips on how to tell my parents. It sounds like she, oh, no, she's not a mother. She's a child. How, on how to tell my parents and have their support for going vegan. Hmm, that's a hard one. Doug, you went high school. You went vegetarian at a young age, right? <laughs> After college. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to still get my parents' permission. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't I don't really have much experience with this. I have no experience with this, I should say. There's a guy named Noah who does a lot of No Meat Athlete stuff, and maybe he can chime yeah. in or something, and I can I can pass along your info to him if I if Noah emails me about it. Um, but he he's doing it as a high schooler, and he seems like he's really making it work well. His parents are supportive, but but cautious. They had a bunch of questions for me, and also of course for his doctors and things like that. Um, I don't know. That's really tough. If someone else is cooking your food for you and then you, you need to tell them that, that you want it to be this certain way for now on, uh, especially if they don't agree, that's a, that's a tough situation. So I don't really have much good advice there. I would say, as with anything, I would be as open-minded as possible as about it. You know, Don't expect them to prepare your own food and kind of offer that you'll prepare your own dinners for yourself if they don't want to eat that way. And I think that would send them a signal that you are really serious about it if you did offer to do something, and particularly if you actually did that and followed up and actually were cooking your own stuff. Right. Uh, I think I think that would show them that you're very serious about it. And then as much as possible, I would try to be as educated as possible about it. Um, you should read the books. You should watch the documentaries so that you can talk intelligently about it. And perhaps something like Forks Over Knives, which has just done a really nice job of reaching people, especially people who are your parents' generation probably, uh, they've just, for whatever reason, been particularly influenced by Forks Over Knives. So I'm, I'm I don't know. I mean, Forks Over Knives, some stuff in there I, I don't fully agree with, some stuff I do, but I think it's it's done a great job of spreading this message. So, um, uh, you know, show them that and see what they think about that one. Yeah. And, you know, don't maybe use compromise or think of compromise as a win if you can do vegan lunches, um, you know, or something like that if you're going taking them to school. I don't know. So you might not agree with that, and other people might not either, but. If you can uh, slowly transition with your parents, too, that might be a a way to mm-hmm. get them on board. There's a book called The Flexitarian Diet that I recommend to some people that uh, has meals that could go either way. So you can you can make them without the meat in them, and then at the end you add the meat so that you can cook for a house of people who have different dietary requirements. So if your parents are cooking, that could be a useful thing to help, help them not have to go through too much extra effort. Uh, for, for you to cook well but i don't know i'd probably focus on the health stuff more than the ethics i bet i bet most parents want their kids to be healthy and live a long time so and, and there's a lot of good evidence that that a plant-based diet is good for longevity and health so maybe maybe go that route all right here's one from david it says uh, my wife and i currently live in nyc have been considering other options for the future can you tell me a bit about <laughs> living in Asheville as a runner triathlete and vegan i already heard great things about the city but don't know how it would impact my daily activities um, okay, so David, that answer was was said earlier in two different forms. Um, yeah, I mean, it will definitely impact your daily activities if you live in New York City. It's such a smaller place than that, and nothing like New York City at all, really. Uh, but 
I've heard people, I know people who have come here from New York City, and uh, it's it's a welcome change for them. So I don't, you know, you're going to miss some things about New York City, I'm sure. But it's a good experience. All right, two more. This one is from Kari, or Kari, who actually inspired this whole episode. We That's said, right. we got this question, and we said, hey, we should answer these other 35 questions that we have <laughs> from September and beyond. So thanks, Kari. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Carrie says, I've been slowly transitioning to a plant-based diet, but it seems like so much information about athletes and veganism is for the extreme athletes or plans for just starting out. Um, okay, so I guess I guess the question is, what if you're more in the middle and you're just not an extreme athlete, you're not a complete beginner, and you're more in the middle, and then I guess more generally, how would you adapt this diet and this advice for all different levels of fitness? So, you know, it could be the middle, could be extreme. Just how, how do you do, how do you adapt it? Uh, I guess we can just answer for the for someone who's more in the middle. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it changes that much. I think a lot of my advice, when I talk about how much to eat, it's eat until you're full. And I think if you're an extreme athlete, you're going to be burning through a lot of calories and it's going to take you a lot more to get full and you have to eat a lot more frequently throughout the day. But I don't think you really want to change the foods you eat that much. I mean, one advantage you have over elite athletes is that you don't probably need to get the amounts that they do. And I think sometimes as an elite athlete, there are foods that will help your performance but probably not be the best thing for your overall health. And this mostly is supplements and things like that where an athlete or even a serious – just a, a recreational runner who's really serious about it, it might need to be taking in a lot of sugar. And before workouts, taking in all this – sort of sugary stuff that is going to be useful for getting the most out of that workout but isn't something that you would otherwise want to be taking in so if you're not that extreme then you don't need to be taking that in and you can probably get away with not having any protein powders and just really sticking closely to whole foods and i think that's a good thing so really i don't think there's much i mean i would i would say i i know that i i don't take protein powder anymore i haven't needed that in a while even when i was training for the 100 miler i didn't i found that i didn't need it so you can probably ignore supplements that seem like they're geared towards athletes and things like that uh, if you're if you're just running a few days a week. But other than that, I think it's you, you know pretty much the same as a beginner would eat. I, to beginners who are new to fitness or to this diet, I kind of tend to tell people to start and go in small steps. Don't just suddenly try to switch to a totally whole foods diet because it'll be a shock to your palate and you won't like it and you won't last on it. But uh, I don't know. I think I think it's really not that different. I think the extreme and the pros are going to have more supplements in their diet, by and large, and you don't need that very much. So, what do you think? Anything to add there, Doug? Nothing, nothing to add to that one either. All right. All right, and this one is our last one. It's from Sharice, and she says she's six months into my journey of breast cancer. Uh, caught it early. She calls herself a survivor, so I guess that maybe means that it's sort of on the way out i don't really know but i'm fit slim and eat pretty well but i do eat chicken and fish reading the china study which is preaching plant-based diet to keep cancer from spreading i'm ready to make this change but need help with where to start and what to eat to get a reasonable amount of protein my husband can't eat tofu so tofu so i won't be eating it either okay so uh let's just answer the question about 
where to start. Uh, I mean, and whether you're doing, whether you're trying to follow the China study or a raw fruit and vegetable diet, because there are a bunch of different approaches, and, and a lot of them talk about stopping the spread of cancer. And I have no idea or experience with that or what's the best. But I'm just saying, like, just in general, how do you, how do you, where do you start with moving towards this diet? Um, the way I started was just with doing it really gradually. And I, as a cancer patient, maybe your needs are different. Maybe you have, you don't have the amount of time that I did. It's more of an urgency thing. But I took a whole year where I didn't eat any uh, beef or pigs, not really with the with the goal of becoming vegetarian, but just like that was, I felt the most I could do when I wanted to become vegetarian. So I just did that and I was happy with that for a while. And then eventually I said, I, I want to go further with this and I'm going to stop eating chicken and turkey and basically any animals that had two legs because before that was the four-legged animals that I'd cut out. And uh, that, that worked well enough. And then I think a month later I decided to cut out fish. So I phased things out in that that way, and it worked really well for me. It, it was nice for the habit change. So I still think that's a good thing. Like if you eat chicken and fish, and again, I don't, I don't know about your amount of urgency here, so your situation, this may not apply to you, but if it were someone who who just had a normal amount of time to do this, I would say first cut out the chicken, keep the fish in your diet for a couple weeks and just see how you do with chicken. Like say you're going to commit to 10 days or a month or something with just fish and no, no chicken. And then when you get there, say, okay, do I want to go further with this? And do I want to now phase out the fish over the next month or something? That's the way I would do it. I like that because it, it just gradually teaches you to do it. It First of all, teaches your body to, to get used to a different diet, which I think is important. Uh, if you just rush into it and you have all these crazy symptoms and don't feel good or something, a lot of times that's when people kind of get shaken from it and go back similarly it helps you to plan meals and go to restaurants because you you learn to deal with fewer choices and you learn how to start finding meals that will only have fish in them that will not have chicken in them and i think it's just uh, just getting used to the preparation of this different type of food for me doing it gradually like that really helped and i think it was way better lasted way more than the time when i tried to just go in and just like go from nothing or go from eating fully omnivorous to saying, okay, now I'm vegetarian because I did try that and it only lasted a few days. And then I, I failed very quickly because I wasn't ready. I didn't know how to do it. So that's my best advice. There are a couple of posts on Nomadathlete that we can link to um, about going vegetarian or vegan and how to make that transition. But that's that's kind of the best advice I have there either. The tofu thing is not an issue at all. Like you do not at all have to eat soy. That's we eat it maybe once every two weeks or so, but not very often. Uh so that's not, not a problem at all. I mean you beans sure, but but not not often soy. Alright, um so that's that does it for our big question and answer episode. We got through I think thirty four or thirty five questions and uh did it in a decent amount of time too. So Anyway, I don't know that we'll do this again. We won't ever do one, I don't think, this extreme and this long again, but we wanted to get these answered, and I guess just kind of wanted to throw this out there and see what people thought of the Q&A format. We certainly could have gone into more depth with a lot of these, but the number of them made it impossible. So I can envision us us doing Q&A episodes in the future where we might take five or six questions that someone has, has submitted or different people have submitted, hopefully by voice, and play those on the air and dive into them. And if we were getting enough of them, we could even group them in themes and we could do a, a show about answering nutrition questions and then a show answering running questions, yeah, things like that. So anyway, um, we want your feedback. We want your participation. So if you're interested in having us answer your question, by all means, call that number. Doug, what is that number again? 951-NO-MEAT-1. That's 951-666-3281. <laughs> 
All right, good. You got it memorized? I think. All right. <laughs> um, so do that call. Uh, we'll answer your question on the air, assuming it's reasonable. And uh, we might just keep doing it in the beginning of shows. But if we get enough of them, we'll probably do another one of these Q&A episodes. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you for all the questions. And we will talk to you next time. All right. Take care.